You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is an Australian freelance writer, blogger, and author with more than 20 years professional writing experience. Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with the wonderful Alison Tate. How are you, Alison? Well, apparently I'm wonderful, Val, but I'm also <laughs> speaking in a very low voice because it's late at night and the children are sleeping. So if I sound like mm. I'm, you know, hiding from the big bad wolf, that's why. That's why. What would they do if they find out you are podcasting? Well, it's not that. It's just that I'll have to deal with them if they wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs that. <laughs> okay. Well, it's the end of school holidays and what have you been doing? Well, we... um. We went to Victoria. Woo! We got in the car. We had the family road trip to Victoria. And um, I discovered that Ned Kelly was has been pretty much everywhere in Victoria because everywhere in Victoria seems to have a monument or a memorabilia or a museum devoted to Ned. Woo! So we went on the Ned Kelly tour of Victoria, which was great. Wonderful. Did you also notice that every second thing is called Yarra, Yarra something, Yarra Junction, Yarra River, Yarra Glen, Yarra Mountain? Yes, Yarra. I did. We actually stayed, I think, in South Yarra now that I think of it. There you go. The glamorous end of the Yarra. In the, in the same way as apparently in Sydney, I didn't notice this till a Victorian pointed, out, pointed it out to me, that everything is called Macquarie. Macquarie Street, Macquarie Uni, Macquarie, you know, place, Macquarie this, Macquarie that, Macquarie Telecom, and so on. Well, he pretty much built it, didn't he? Well, you know, yes. Um, <laughs> but apart from, apart from that, apart from your big road trip, what's been new in your world? Well, it's, I'm, I'm at that point, it's all very exciting because the first book in the Mapmaker Chronicle series comes out next Tuesday, the 14th Woo! of October. So I'm at the point now where it's actually like realistically and totally and literally next week. And so that's kind of surreal. I've been in the paper and I've been doing interviews and I've been writing blog posts and I've been just in this entirely surreal world of, of being a person who's about to have a book come out, a novel. Very exciting. Very exciting. Very exciting. And um, so, well, thank you for taking the time out of your busy author schedule <laughs> to record this podcast. Oh, no, look at me. Here I am, eight, nine o'clock on a Monday night and it's all, <laughs> it's all go. What can I say? And we want to also send a big shout out to all of you fabulous pe people, all of you listeners who have been emailing us and also leaving comments and some reviews on iTunes. Um, thank you to Adriana27 who has said, I love listening to Valerie and Alison chat away. They always make me smile while providing me with much needed information about the wonderful world of writing. While I'm here, I just finished listening to episode 28 and must say Nick Earls is awesome and we agree uh his energy during a writer in residence in interview was wonderful very inspiring now excuse me while i go and purchase all his books wow that's um did you hear that nick 
I um I have to say I felt exactly the same way. That was one of the my favourite interviews to do. I, I was so inspired and blown away by that particular conversation. I just I remember I spoke to you afterwards and just said, yeah. "I've just done the best interview with Nichols." <laughs> and right. it really was. Yep, I'm going to go and buy all these books too. Yeah. And Adriana Twenty Seven is not the only one. No, she's not. We have one um, by Kappa Lee, which is an excellent name. Um, when you feel like a break from your desk or that housework is building up, switch on Val and Allison. It sounds like an ad, doesn't it? I don't yes. sound like a 1950s like advertisement. It's good. Switch on Val and Allison, and you won't even feel like you are procrastinating podcasting. It's full <laughs> of tips on resources, methods, and business practices for all types of writers and has a great author interview each week. All this is delivered in an effortless, chatty style. I feel a little wiser and more motivated after each episode. And she also says sound quality is good now, so no longer an issue, as some previous reviewers have stated, which I thought was <laughs> so nice of that. I'm saying that I'm saying it's a she, but it may well be a he. So thank you so much for that fabulous review. Thank you, Copper Lee. And I like the fact that uh, it's it's something like listening to us is good when you're doing the housework. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, like I, I'm, I'm with them. If, if I could li listen to something interesting while I was cleaning the oven, I'd be wrapped too. <laughs> well, let's get stuck into the world of writing and blogging and publishing this week. I particularly love a, a, a link that I found this week from a graduate of the Australian Writers' Centre, actually, Justine Hyde, who has written an awesome article for the Sydney Morning Herald on one of my favourite passions, which is um, which are antique typewriters. And so she wrote an article called Clack of Typewriters Captivates Authors. And she interviews a number of people in there, including Helen Garner. And she talks about Helen Garner, how she has this uh, 1915 black corona portable typewriter which she has now loaned to the state library to exhibit and I was particularly chuffed by that because I too own a 1915 black corona portable so you know maybe one day I'll write, write like Helen Garner um, and uh, and she interviews also Robert Messenger who I'm very very keen to meet one day because he runs the Australian Typewriter Museum in Canberra and I'm definitely going to pay uh, him a visit sometime before the end of the year so so, um, yeah, you know. Maybe my we can record a live podcast at the Typewriter Museum, Val. That is in the works, Al. I'm a glad Christmas you have special. mentioned that. Yeah, that's right. As long as I get there before Christmas, which I hope to, um, uh, I'm very keen to do that because Robert has amassed 903 typewriters. 903? Yes. Three are very important. Yes, that's right. So... You know, um, I, I, I particularly love that one and uh, Justine tweeted it to me about a week ago and I have to say I was very pleased to read it. Um, but moving on uh, to some, uh, some developments in the world of Amazon because ah. many people will be familiar with the online application Wattpad, that's W-A-T-T-Pad, where many authors and aspiring authors are writing, you know, passages and sometimes entire pieces 
where they get a lot of feedback from um, the community at Wattpad. And the community has grown and grown and grown. I remember when Wattpad first came out, and I remember noticing it, you know, not that long, I mean, a couple of years ago, and thinking, oh, this is interesting. I wonder how it's going to go. But the community has grown significantly. And clearly, a behemoth like Amazon has noticed that this is where the eyeballs are going. This is where the crowds are going. So they have now launched a crowd editing and writing service called Write On. <laughs> As oh, in nice. W-R-I-T-E-O and then O-N, right on. Um, and it made the announcement saying that this would act as a community where readers and writers come together around the creative process to make good stories great and great stories better. So we'll put a link in the show notes which will include where you can find Write On because it is in private beta at the moment. Uh, but the link will also contain an invite code. So you can have a look at that and check it out. But it does sound like it's trying to, you know, take on Wattpad. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Do we need more? Well, you know, it's like do we – do we need another social network? I mean, as you know, LO, E-L-L-O, just launched. And, yep. you know, it's going to be survival of the fittest, really, because yep. I remember the days when a friend of mine was trying desperately to get me on to Friendster. Oh. You remember Friendster? And, uh, you know, MySpace, yep. I personally yep. didn't get on MySpace, but my cat Rex did have a uh, page on MySpace. Um <laughs> And, you he's know, such an early adopter. He Rex, is. He? He's a very early adopter. And um, it just depends, really. I mean, you just don't know. It's going to be where the crowd, um, you know, Jesus congregates yeah. and where, where it's all going to happen. Yeah. Mm. So many eyeballs, so many words. That's what I guess I find so overwhelming about those sort of sites, so many words. But would you use something like that, Al? Would you use a site where you put your work, all your work up there for everyone to no. see and for them to comment on? No. Okay, that's a short answer. <laughs> no, re no, really, that is a very, for me, that's a very short answer because I think the thing with uh, feedback on writing and it's anyone who's ever been a member of any kind of writer's group will probably know what I'm talking about is that you you need to you need to trust the source of the feedback like you need to have some indication of where the source of the feedback is actually coming from yeah. um i i just feel because it's too confusing otherwise and and the, you know like everybody writing is such a, such a subjective thing mm -hmm. and everybody has an opinion about everything i mean you only have to be on twitter for 5 minutes to see that everyone has an opinion on everything. Um, and I just don't feel that it would be a particularly positive place for me. That That's just my thing. Sure. Um, and obviously everyone's different. But, yeah, it's not my not my cup of tea. No, so, I'm much I mean, more – I'd rather write my story and get it as good as I can get it myself and yeah. then s send it to a trusted source for feedback. Yes, but I guess some people would argue that, A, the people on Wattpad are interested in writing and reading, of course, and, B, they are effectively your readers and, you know. I know, but oh, have you been to Goodreads lately? Like, effectively, those people are all readers as well, but there's an awful lot of people out there who are just who just seem to want to be negative all the yeah. time about everything. And I just think that if you're someone... Um, particularly a new writer who's maybe not as confident in your abilities as, as you know, as others might be, um, it could just be the end of you. Yes, that's that, true. That's all I'm thinking. That's Especially true. the ones, don't you love the ones that start off their reviews or their feedback with, I haven't read this but. 
Yes, that's, <laughs> and so many of them are that, you know, or I read the first paragraph and decided that it was all shit, all <laughs> shite, sorry, shite. Well, I thought I would also update everyone on uh, something that we actually spoke about in one of our very early episodes when we announced, well, actually when Amtrak announced that they were going to put forward a Writers in Residence program. And Amtrak, of course, is the railways in America and their Writers in Residence program was open to writers and what they were going to get was a long distance ticket so that they could, you know, um, ride by rail through the Rocky Mountains or whatever and be inspired by the scenery and write some poems and short stories or the great American novel. And um, it was something that was in in response to a social media exchange on Twitter where people were saying, oh, go on Amtrak, how about a Writers in Residence program? And to their credit, Amtrak responded, well, over 16,000 people Mm. applied. Wow. Uh, yeah, sixteen thousand people wanted some free train tickets, and um, and uh, they've chosen a handful of writers and residents. They've and they've announced them. And uh, just in case you thought you were going to be sort of like the, uh, an aspiring writer who um, was going to you know get into this program, a lot of them are kind of fairly big names and fairly yeah, really. established writers. So um, they're taking it very seriously. And it's going to be interesting to see what these writers produce. So we'll we'll keep a watchful eye on that. Mm. We've been following the story from the beginning and let's continue. Yes. But while you've been on your road trip, have you been writing at all? I haven't been writing, no. Do you know what I have been doing? I've been reading book three of the Mapmaker Chronicles (laughs) to my oldest son and get taking with my red pen in my hand because he's a really harsh critic and I have been um, making notes because I'm just, I've done, um, so I've I've written the draft, I've been through it and done an edit, now I'm reading it to him and then I'm going to do another edit and then send it on to my publisher. Because the other thing is it's not even so much his comments, although they are helpful, like mum it's boring, chuck in a battle is always a useful comment (laughs) and I get that a bit. but it's also the just the, the whole process of reading it aloud makes you realise where the clumsiness is. Yeah. And um, if you find yourself stumbling around in a sentence, it's too long. So yeah. it's you know it's it's um it's been a it's been a really interesting part of my the whole process of 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 this series has been this. I've done I've done it like this right from the start, and um, I found it really useful. So yes, I've been reading that to him, and it's been really fun. We've been enjoying it. Wow, I lo- I do think reading aloud is one of the most underrated and underutilized tool uh, things that people can do. Mm. Um, I'm yeah, big fan of it. Um, so anyway, apart from reading your own book, have you been reading any other books? <laughs> I know you get so like it's it's really funny. It's almost like you're in this world where there is only <laughs> one book and you wrote it. But no, I have actually been reading other books, and I'm quite excited. Um, so I read, I was on Twitter one night and there's an author on Twitter called Molly Green and she's quite a prolific tweeter. Like I, she's in my feed regularly. She blogs all the time. She's she's really, and I've over the last couple of years watched her profile build and build and build and build as a result of it. It's been a very interesting process. Anyway, she has written a book for the uh, princely sum of $4.35 Australian. You can own... I know, a book called Blog It, The Author's Guide to Building a Successful Online Brand. And 
I bought the book because I thought, well, Molly's done it and she really has, you know, done a good job. So I'll have a look and see what it's all about. And if you're uh, starting out as an author, it, it is a fantastic resource. It really talks you through from the nuts and bolts of how to set your blog up, um, what to blog about, what to blog about when you're not published, what to blog about when you are published, how to set up. And there's a quite, quite good chapter for me that was I found really interesting, even although I've been blogging for five years, mm. on creating an email list and what to put in your newsletter and all of that sort of stuff. So it's quite a comprehensive book. It's 102 pages all about being an author and blogging. And um, yeah, as I said, for, for, for the princely sum of $4.35, definitely worth it. Bargain. Check it out. Check it out. Well, while we're on the uh, topic of blogging, I have been um, following a blogger called Chris Ducker. And in fact, he's our writer in residence coming up very soon. But I wanted to mention something that he did in September, and we've spoken about it briefly in previous episodes, um, called Vidtember. So uh, Chris put out this challenge on the 1st of September, some of some listeners may know, and it's called Vidtember, which was a challenge to do 30 online videos in 30 days and um, I have to say I have never done one of these you know 30 day challenges or seven day anything or photo a day or anything like that and I thought I would give it a go largely because I'm very uncomfortable with online video and I Mm. thought it would push me out of my comfort zone and it was a really interesting exercise I didn't quite make it to 30 I got to (gasps) 22 Valerie. I know. Because one of the learnings, one of the things that I discovered is that uh, if you're going to do something like that, sometimes life does take over. So you (laughs) really need to uh, do a bit more pre-planning if you really want to hit your targets or you need to batch your videos or you need to do something a bit more strategic like that. But I'm happy that I got to 22. I'm amazed you got to 22. (laughs) When you told me you were doing this, I was like, oh, because you're not busy enough. (laughs) I recall that. I remember us having that conversation because podcasting and running the Writers' Centre and, you know, writing stories and all those other things you do, it's just not enough, Val. you got to do more. Not enough. So September. So how did it go? Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Um, I guess the main thing was once you got on your eyeliner and your mascara, everything else was easy. It all just just (laughs) fell into place, didn't it? It did. It fell into place. Prior to that, it was... It was a lot of procrastinate, cleaning, procrasty reading, procrasty whatever. Because who who knew I would find putting on eyeliner, eyeliner and mascara such a such a chore. Oh, it's an ordeal. <laughs> I hate it. But I need to know what was your most popular one because I saw most oh, of them in my yeah. feed. There was a ve- there were very very clear popular one and a very very clear unpopular one. Okay. Um. So the most popular one, without any doubt, I got emails, I got comments, I got tweets, I got, well, you know, all of that, um, was uh, what to do if you feel like a fraud. Oh, I, I, how funny is that? Because I favourited that to um, watch later. I haven't seen it yet. But I totally, go. I saw that and I was like, I'm watching that. Without a doubt, that was the one that clearly, by miles and miles, resonated with people the most. Um, I think there's another non-fic book in that. Well, it may be. Mm. Um, And interestingly, the one that was the most woeful, that was the most um, unwatched and, you know, got no comments or anything, um, was uh, top three things to do when you're using customer testimonials. No one cares. Really? <laughs> Sorry. 
How did you even come up with that? I'm so impressed by the creativity of that. That is, re- that sounds like, yeah, no, that well, sounds like something an accountant would like. Yeah, clearly that one was a dud. Yeah. No. And, <laughs> but it was interesting to see what resonated with people and what didn't. Um, but definitely the one about feeling like a fraud was something that uh, I got so much response from. But I would never have done this Vitember challenge had it not been for, you know, the gauntlet being thrown down by Chris Ducker. And for those people who don't know, Chris is a British blogger slash business owner slash uh, author slash serial entrepreneur. Slushy. He is a slashy and he actually lives in the Philippines. He owns multiple businesses, but the one that he is best known for is actually for outsourcing. And he wrote a book called Virtual Freedom. Um, And while the, you know, and and the book is is great. I I got it when it was um, first out and it is, you know, more for business owners rather than writers. But I think that many writers will find his story about A, the process of writing and B, the way he marketed and launched the book, absolutely fascinating because I watched his entire launch unfold from afar and I thought to myself, I've got to talk to this guy to really dissect what he did um, in terms of putting that launch together and determining how it was going to roll out. But also, you know, being a business owner, he's very busy, you know, how he wrote the book as well. So we didn't discuss you know, uh, outsourcing in the upcoming interview because, and that's his area of expertise. Um, you can read his blog about that, but we, we certainly dissected the way he he rolled out his launch and um, it was very successful because now what he does, um, in addition to his blogging and, and, and all of that sort of thing, he he's really stepped up his keynote speaking um, all around the world. And uh, that's certainly been a result also of building his profile and his book. So let's have a listen to Chris Ducker. Let's. Chris Ducker is a serial entrepreneur and expert in virtual staffing who blogs at chrisducker.com. He also has a popular podcast called The New Business Podcast and is author of Virtual Freedom, How to Work with Virtual Staff to Buy More Time, Become More Productive and Build Your Dream Business. It's a top 150 Amazon bestseller, as well as being number one in three different Amazon business categories. Chris regularly speaks at entrepreneurial events around the world, and we caught up with him recently when he was on the Gold Coast in Australia. So thanks for joining us today, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So we're actually sitting in QT Hotel on the Gold Coast in Australia because you've been here to talk at the ProBlogger Conference. Now, I have been uh, following your podcast for a while now. I've read your book. Um, It's an awesome book, Virtual Freedom. For those listeners who aren't familiar with your book, can you tell us what it's about? Well, it's the essential field guide for entrepreneurs in terms of learning how to you know, really find and hire and train and work with virtual staff to build their business. Um, it, I mean, it, it covers everything. It really is the essential field guide. That, and that's not my words. That's somebody else's words. Somebody else said that on Amazon, which I thought was kind of cool. Now, you're an entrepreneur yourself. Why did you want to write a book? Well, I was approached through this book, this exact book, actually, in late 2010. But I turned it down because I was in the process of building my business, Virtual Staff Finder, at the time. And, um, you know, a couple of years go by and then I got approached again 
by another publisher, and I thought, okay, now's maybe the time to, to look at it seriously. So I got an agent over in the US, a literary agent, and um, we pro a proposed all together, and she pitched it to 16 publishers, and she got four offers within a week. So that, well, if four publishers think that the book should be written, then obviously I need to write the book. And that's where it, that's really what happened. We signed the deal December 2012, and the, and the book came out, what, 14, 15 months later. Traditional publishing, it is what it is. Yes, yes. and with, um, I think that's interesting because you actually live in Cebu, in the Philippines. How did you get an agent in America? Just people, you know, you, your contacts, your network. I just fired off a couple of quick emails, and uh, it was actually Srini Rao from, at that time, the Broadcast FM podcast, which is now known as the Unmistakable, uh, Unmistakable Creative Podcast, which is doing unbelievably well. So he, I knew he had, he had uh, interviewed a lot of authors on the show, and so I reached out to him and I said, hey, do you you know, do you know of anybody? He said, dude, you've got to speak with this lady. Her name's Christina Holmes. She's fantastic. She runs her own you know, agency and you know, have a chat, see what comes of it. And I knew within 15 minutes that I wanted Christina to represent me. She was just, she just got it completely. She's an entrepreneur at heart herself as well. And uh, I genuinely, genuinely felt that she had her best, my be rather, my best interests, you know, at heart. And uh, she got me a great deal as well. So she, she delivered. Great. And so you, speaking of podcasts, you have your own podcast, the New Business Podcast, which I really enjoy. When did you start podcasting? And did you start it because you knew that a book was coming out and it was part of a strategy? No, I started a long time before the book came out. Um, so my first podcast was Virtual Business Lifestyle, which I started in April 2010, just three months after I started blogging. And um, we got up to episode 50 with that podcast right the way through to the beginning of 2012. Um, and I kind of just said, I've hit 50. It is what it is. I kind of covered everything I want to cover here. I'm going to put it on the back burner and forget about it. And then I went through a whole rebranding thing with virtualbusinesslifestyle.com, which was my first blog. And we switched everything over to chrisducker.com, rebranded everything, focusing in on the personal brand a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole theme of the new brand and the new site and all the rest of it was new business. It's the new way of doing business. And so that's when we just launched, you know, a new podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, I think we're at like episode 70 or something like that now. And uh, we're about to switch. We were bi-weekly. We're about to go to a weekly show uh, coming in September. And uh, looking forward to that. But, but we also launched as part of the marketing plan virtual freedom we also launched the virtual freedom podcast as well uh, and we knew going into that that it was going to be like a nano type podcast right we knew there was only going to be 25 episodes and we timed them perfectly we, we launched with five immediately right out of the gate immediately went into new and noteworthy in itunes so got lots of exposure and then we drip fed two i think two a week or something like that between when we launched it at the beginning of, uh, I think it was February or something like that, through till the end of April, which was when the book came out in, in the beginning of April. So we kind of really, it was very, very strategic. Um, and uh, I don't think that, you know, two, three months after the book came out, I can honestly say to you, I don't think there was a day that went by 
where we didn't get a tweet or an email or a message on some kind of social network saying, I listened to the podcast and picked up the book. So it totally worked. Um, and I, I mean, it, it's a great strategy. And it's not just for book marketing. You know, if you're launching a new product, if you're doing an event, if you're putting together a new service or experience, or even if you're just launching a new blog, hell, you know, jump on that new and noteworthy bandwagon that iTunes gives you and record 20 episodes and just slam it up there. You know, you're going to get thousands of new eyeballs on it that would never have seen it before. Um, and if, even if it doesn't stick around all that long, you still created a lot of traffic in a short period of time. It's a great strategy, and you also have a really good blog post, which I followed when we launched our podcast, and we ended up not only in the new, new and noteworthy section, but extremely high ranking. We were like number 13 in Australia for all podcasts, and basically it came down to your blog post, which I have shared with other people um, since. Now, I talk to a lot of writers who say that they really want to focus on the craft of writing and they don't have the energy to blog or podcast or, you know, certainly not podcast, uh, you know, but a lot of people have a resistance to blogging. How important was your blogging to launching your book and getting the word out there? Well, it was important before, during and after. It's still important now. Um, it was important before because obviously I'm creating content that I know my audience desires from me, which is related to the book. So now I'm getting them interested in the subject for which the book is focusing on. And I'm converting them into an opt-in to get their email address as well. So when the book comes out, I know I've got four, five, seven, ten thousand 10,000 people to email as soon as the book's available on Amazon. You get that flood of sales, you got the Amazon rankings, you get lots of additional exposure. Etc. Etc. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was very important before. It was remarkably important when we were in the process of launching the book. I think I probably put thirty five percent of virtual freedom in some way, shape, or form from the book directly on my blog the month before the book came out. So I was doing excerpts. So we we did the. the the Definitive Guide to Training Virtual Staff, a 4,000-word blog post, lifted entirely word for word from one section of the book. It went viral. People loved it. And, and again, these are hundreds, if not thousands of people that wouldn't have come across it if that blog post had not have been created from content from the book. I was listening to an, uh, an interview a while back. I can't remember the guy's name now. But he was saying that you should target 70% of your book to be on the internet, out there, before your book even comes out and goes live, which is an incredible percentage of work from the book. But I kind of get it. Like, I saw it myself. Even the Virtual Freedom podcast, which is still up on iTunes, is still discoverable to this day. We still get hundreds of downloads every day. But even all that content was based off of content from the book as well. So there was that kind of like that, that, that teaser, that trailer that we were giving people at the same time. But I, I think blogging is incredibly important. And, you know, I went into the writing process as a blogger, right? So I was a blogger first and author second. And I think if you're writing a book, <laughs> writing a blog post is a million times easier. Like I, I, I genuinely thought when I accepted that, that, that book offer, I genuinely thought, you know what? I can get like 60, 70 blog posts, stick them all together. Boom, there's my book. How wrong was I? How ridiculously insane was I to think that? And, and 
it was way harder. The writing process was way harder for me than I thought it was going to be. But once I got into my groove and you know, started knocking out a couple of thousand words a day, it didn't take me very long to complete the first draft of the manuscript. But it was, uh, it was, very, it was tough at first. So let's talk about that a bit more. When did you start writing and what time period did you write over? And did you have a goal, X number of thousand words a day or X number of hours with your bum in the seat or, you know, what strategies did you put in place for the writing process just to get the book to the stage that you were happy with it? Well, I started out saying, I'm going to do a thousand words a day, right? So I'm going to do a thousand words a day, first thing in the day, didn't work. Like I discovered after like three days that if I didn't want to write that morning, nothing was going to come out of my fingertips. It just, it wasn't going to happen. So I kind of put that strategy on the back burner. Um, and then I figured that I was going to spend Saturday morning away from the house in a cafe somewhere writing all Saturday morning, you know, four or five hours, really crank it out. Awful, terrible strategy. Can't do that. So I resigned to the fact that I was going to write when I felt like writing. Plain simple. I had a deadline in place. Um, I think, we, so we accepted the deal December 2012. I was traveling extensively in January and February that, that year, 2013. So I didn't do anything, hardly anything at all. Maybe a little bit of, you know, uh, research and, and, you know, that sort of stuff, but hardly any writing at all. And then I really launched into it in March. My deadline was June with the publisher. They were pretty aggressive. I actually ended up getting an extension to the end of July because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't knock it out that fast. But yeah, I, I resigned to the fact that I couldn't schedule it, that I, I had to just write when I felt like writing. And the funny thing was, was that once I allowed myself to have that freedom with the writing, it became a lot more natural for me to sit down and not just knock out, you know, 500, 1,000 words. Like sometimes I would, I would, sit and write for three hours and knock out 6,000 words. And I did that several times. And you know, when you're done, you're like, whoa, that was a monster session. But you feel so productive at the end of it. And you weren't forcing yourself into it. And the words just flowed. It was much, much easier. But if you resigned yourself to the fact that you, know, you were just going to write when you felt like writing, didn't you freak out that you might not ever feel like writing? I mean, I, I, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I kind, of, I kind of felt like that a little bit at first. But like I said, once I got into it and I, I you know, ended up just rolling into the writing mode pretty much on a daily basis anyway, it wasn't much of a, uh, of a concern. However, I was concerned about hitting the deadline. Um, but I'm a sales guy. Like at heart, I'm a sales and marketing guy. And I've worked towards targets and goals my entire career. So I knew, you know, push came to shove. It was let's boil the coffee and we're doing some all-nighters. You know, push comes to shove. Luckily, I didn't have to do it. Not with the writing process, but the editing process, that was a different ballgame. Well, before we get to the editing process, in the writing process, did you um, have any routines or did you have any incentives or rewards? If I write 6,000 words, I'll be able to do X or whatever. Uh, it was, so my son, who my youngest, he's five. So he comes back from school about 4 p.m. So my incentive was to try and, you know, try and get a good amount done each day where I felt like I was done for that day before he came back at four so that I could play with him and hang out with him. It's just a simple daddy thing. I love my daddy time. Like I truly, if I could never work another day in my life and just play with Lego all day long, 
I'll be the happiest daddy in the world, trust me. So yeah, I mean, that was really the incentive was spending time with him because there were some times where I couldn't, when I was in a groove, when I was in a writing groove, and I had to write through to 5 or 6 or 7 p.m. because it was just coming out of me. But really the incentive was to try and get it all done by the time we got back from school. So let's move on then to the editing process. You looked pained when you mentioned that before. Why? This is bloody painful, that's why. Um, so I, I, I did something which is quite rare for traditionally published authors, I've been told. Anyway, I went ahead and hired an outside editor to go over my manuscript before I sent it to my public. Why? Because I wanted, I, I, I knew that as good as that first manuscript was, I knew that if I had somebody else's eyeballs on it, that I could get more out of myself by their feedback before I got it to the, to the publishers. And it did pay off. It cost me $3,000. I hired the guy, it cost me $3,000. And he came back with 312 comments on my Word document. Uh, almost all of them were developmental comments. Hardly any grammar or spelling or punctuation. I mean, Word does all that stuff for you. So, um, so I spent about another two weeks re-editing, rewriting, dumping certain parts, re, you know, putting putting ideas together. Um, actually, the there's there's two parts of the book uh, other than the how-to parts, which is obviously free-flowing throughout the book. We have the case studies, which are around 1,500 words. I think there's 11 or 12 of them, and then we also have the freedom spotlights, which are shorter, bite-sized chunks where we talk about one particular entrepreneur, that virtual spotlight was his idea. Because the, even though the case studies were good, and they were good, in fact, some of them were amazing. We had a couple, we had, actually had to cut a couple of them um, because they were just too wordy, unfortunately, in the final cut. But the spotlights were cool because you could dump them into a little gray box on one page in the book, and it was kind of like a bite-sized kind of narrator in the head kind of thing, kind of reaffirming that part of the book, that section of the book. So if we would talk about training, then we talk about the importance of training and blah, 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 blah. And it just worked really, really well. So then I sent it to the publishers, and the publishers came back to me and they said, you know, um, your manuscript is so strong already, we're just gonna go straight to line edits. We don't, we don't feel like we need to do any developmental edits with you. So the three grand for me, was money well spent because now I've impressed my publisher yes. as well, which is saving them money, which means we can get the book out quicker and so on and so on and so on. And the initial launch date was actually July 2014. And I believe it was because of that and a couple of other things that happened, but mainly because of that, that we actually had it pushed forward to April 2014. So it worked. Now, in April 2014, there were few places I could go without seeing people who were tweeting about virtual freedom or talking about your podcast or, you know, the fact that there was a pre-launch, you know, various pre-launch activities. Apart from the, um, the, the Nano podcast where you release those 20 episodes um, in the lead up to the book, what do you think were some of your key marketing strategies when it came to your book launch? We decided very early on, and when I say we, I mean me and my campaign manager and my team, um, we decided very, very early on that we were going to focus clearly on two major 
marketing strategies, both concerning podcasts. Okay, so the first one was the Virtual Freedom Podcast, where we had the 25 episodes and we were going to drip feed them out and, and drive lots of traffic. And we used SoundCloud as the host because you can embed SoundCloud URLs directly into Twitter, directly into Facebook, and they'll play right there on those sites. It doesn't have to open up another, uh, another tab or another website, which is huge. If you're looking at I mean, you could, you could listen to it on Twitter on the Twitter app. It was huge for social sharing. So that was the first part of it. The second part was to get me on as many big podcasts as possible in the whole business, productivity, entrepreneurship space. And I think we ended up doing 42, 42 different interviews in the space of, I think, like two and a half months. It felt like I was doing sometimes two a day. Uh, sometimes I was in one every other day. Um, but we were on every major podcast out there. And I want to clarify, it wasn't as simple as just contacting the podcast hosts and saying, hey, I've got a cool book I want to talk about with your audience. Can I come on your show? That rarely will work. Rarely will work. I can turn up right now. When those emails come to me, for, for people that want to be on my show, they go directly to a maybe folder. And I very rarely look in my maybe folder. The people that I have on my show people that I have relationships with and therefore I knew if I wanted to get on other people's shows I'd have to have relationships with them and over the course of the four and a half years that I've been active online I've been very blessed to create some very very important uh, relationships with some really really big influencers and obviously they were more than happy to help out because I was a buddy that you, you didn't necessarily cultivate those relationships because one day you thought you were going to you know, ha have a book out. No, I'm a people person anyway. I'd much rather hang out in person than be tweeting all day long and, and you know, have a coffee and do all that sort of stuff. So when I was in the US, you know, I'm lucky because I have businesses that work a lot with US-based clients. So I would come to, I would go to the US and if I had a scheduled, you know, client meeting, I would look what conferences are on. You know, what shows can I visit? What events can I go and hang out at? And that's how, you know, I got to meet all the people I got to meet. Um, and, you know, when, when, you, when you have just a combination of, of say, um, Pat Flynn, Lewis Howes, John Lee Dumas, just those three guys alone have well over 2 million downloads a month on their podcasts combined. And you imagine, that's just three out of... 40-something that we that we were on. It's kind of insane. So that was actually the biggest strategy of all, was to get me on other people's podcasts because we were so sure that I could do a good job in selling the book that I wouldn't have to rely on other influencers to do it for me. Let me do it. Let me provide great value to your audience. And as a result, hopefully, as a knock-on effect, they'll go out and buy the book. And they did. A lot of them. So give us an indication of that, because I remember when it launched, it just shot up the Amazon lists. Can I, I don't remember There's the numbers. Can you give us an indication of some of the numbers? So we did uh, the highest rank that we got on the whole of Amazon, so millions of books. The highest rank we got was 113 out of all of them. And I was so gutted. Because <laughs> what? You're nuts. <laughs> no, I was, I was genuinely gutted because I really, I really wanted to hit 100. I was just like, oh, please, just 
somebody buy a thousand copies. You know what I mean? I just, I really wanted to hit uh, the, t the top 100 because they say that amazing things happen when you hit the top 100 on Amazon. So I was like, okay, let's shoot for that. But um, so we did, so that was the highest we got, 113, which I'm not barking at, don't get me wrong, but I was a little guy at the time. Um, we did that, we were number one in four separate business categories. Uh, we have since been number one as an audio book in the business category. And I believe up until last week, we were number one in business management for a while as well. So, you know, with, with Kindle, or rather with the Amazon rank, you know, it's, by, it, it's updated every hour. So it goes up and down. So if I, if I do a little bit of a push for the book, everything will go up. Um, so, you know, when the audio book came out, I recorded a couple of hours extra audio and we gave you know, bonuses away and then obviously tons of Audible sign-ups come through the door and all that stuff. So we did that, um, but it was funny, a funny little story about the numbers actually. On, on launch day, we did a live virtual freedom Google Hangout. And um, when we were done with the Hangout, in fact, let me, let me backtrack. Before we got on the Hangout, we looked at the Amazon book rank and it was like 3,200 or something, which in itself is like, I was already, oh my God, I'm 3,000 sort of thing. Like, this is pretty cool, you know? But, you know, and we hadn't really done a whole lot other than send a couple of emails out, a few things like that. And obviously all the podcasts that I was on. And then we did the live hangout. And we did it at 1 a.m. in the Philippines because of the time zone difference. And a lot of my readers are on the West Coast of the United States. So I needed to do it in the morning their time. I couldn't do it sort of 6 a.m. or whatever. So we started at 1. We finished at just gone 2 a.m. in the Philippines. But in my, in my office, I had a few members of my team there, and we were messing around. We had cake and champagne and balloons and all this stuff. There's a link somewhere on my site to the video if anybody wants to watch it. Um, and we were packing up. And then my mobile phone goes, and it's Pat Flynn. Now, Pat and I are very close friends. But he never calls me on my Philippine mobile number. Like, never. It just doesn't happen. So I'm thinking, instantly, I'm thinking, oh, my God, something's happened to the kids. Because like, his kids are like my kids. Like, you know, we're that close as families, right? So I'm instantly thinking there's something wrong with one, one of the kids. And so I pick up the phone. Dude, you okay? Are you all right? You all right? And he's like, dude, have you seen your Amazon rank? And I was like, oh, my God. Are you serious? No, I haven't seen my Amazon rank, he said. You need to check it. Bye. And he hung up on me. So I'm like, what's going on? So we fired back the iMac up again. And we took, boom, it was at 500 and something. We went from 3,000 to 500 in a matter of an hour and a bit. I don't know exactly how many books you need to shift for that, but it's a lot. And that actually, that launch week, from what we could tell from the publishers and from receipts that we were receiving, and I'll give you an amazing tip for getting Amazon reviews in a minute. Like, oh my God, this is a game changer, right? Um, we figured it around 7,500 in the first week. Wow. Yeah, paperback and Kindle. Yeah. Since then, it's obviously gone right up. The last update I have for my publishers was about three weeks ago, and we were at about 17,000. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Cool. So going on those Amazon lists, I mean, one of the things, apart from the podcasts, that you were doing and, you know, the Hangout, you also did offer some bonuses. Can you, for, for some of the listeners who, because in fiction, um, that's not very common. 
So for some of the listeners who aren't familiar with that strategy, can you just give us an overview on what you did that? Because it was really smart. Well, what you need to do is you need to give people, a, you know, what's in it for me? Tell me why I should be buying your book. Why? You know, you can't say, because it's a good book. It'll change your life. That's not good enough anymore. People are too smart for that. They've had that over and over and over again. So I was all about just providing an insane amount of value. Like I just wanted to put it right out of the park. So I contacted you know, companies like 99designs and LastPass and a few, other, a few other companies that I knew had software or services related to working with freelancers and virtual staff. And I said, you know, can you give away this? Or can you do that? Or can you do that? So we had like, I think we had a year a year for free on LastPass, which is only 12 bucks. It's 12 bucks, right? And then we had the 99 Power Pack from 99 Designs, which is huge if you're doing any kind of design um, contest on 99 Designs. Um, and there was a few other bits and pieces. I can't remember now, all of them. But then the big difference was I started bundling me. So the one thing that I've really seen since I've built up my personal brand online People will pay for access. If you take the access away, very, very strategically, remove the access away, so not be so interactive on social, um, not necessarily do too many free hangouts, and do all these things quite strategically in the run-up of the event, people will pay for that access. So I think we had like we had a one. So we so we wanted everybody that came to the site to at least buy a book, one book. So we made it a no-brainer where if you buy a book and send us your receipt, you'll get the book direct from Amazon, and you'll get access to three extra case studies that weren't included in the book, and this, and this, and this. It was like three or four things that had like an $80 value attached to them. So we knew that the very large likelihood that everybody that came to the website that week, and it was only a one-week uh, promo that we ran, everyone that came that week was going to buy one book. I mean, that was the number one focus. Then we had a five book, then we had a 10, we had a 25, we had a 50, 100, and I think that was where we stopped. I only sold a handful of 100s, and they were mostly for you know, uh, speaking engagements or coaching engagements and things like that, mastermind groups, stuff like that. But we did sell a ton of the 25 and the 50 books um, because the 25, if you bought 25 books, you got this, this, and this, and then this, and then you got 15 minutes on Skype with me. For 50 books, you could have 30 minutes on Skype with me. And it was really busy. <laughs> April and May were probably two of the busiest months of my life because we had way more bulk sales coming than we anticipated. It was great. It was great. But I mean, it really did drain me energy wise. Um, and I did. I took like tune off. I was like, I'm done. Um, but it was, it was a great strategy because people will pay for that access. Now, if you're a fiction writer, maybe there's something you can do where you can bundle your older books as part of the package, right? So particularly if it's a series, so you know, let's, let's use um, Fifty Shades of Grey, for example, right? Three books, I think, in that series. So let's say you're coming out with part three. Buy part three or pre-order part three, and we'll give you part one and two for free in ebook format. Yeah. Or a PDF format. So it's nothing for you. You're not losing any money. This is the problem. There's online marketers. We sometimes think when we give stuff away for free, 
that were losing money. It's electronic, it's not costing you anything. So what if you're giving away five videos? You shot them, they're on a server now. They're, what are you gonna do with them? Give them away to everyone. Yeah. Give them away, get them out there, get people consuming them. So fiction writers, I think they could do that. They could also give away you know, access to like an exclusive Google Hangout where they talk about the process of writing fiction and breaking down that writing process and all the rest of it. There's, there's plenty of ways to skin that cat. You just have to get creative. And so you just teased us before on getting Amazon reviews. So please do spill. Okay, so this is a goodie. I don't know whether I came up with this or not, but I certainly didn't get it from anyone else. So I'm sure I'm not the first smarty pants to come up with the idea, but I'm certainly, I didn't get this from anyone else. So what we did, is whenever anybody purchased a book in that week, we got them to send their receipt, their Amazon receipt to us. Because if we didn't get the receipt, we had no proof they bought the book and therefore we couldn't give them the bonuses. So we get their Amazon receipt. Great, they get the bonuses. But now we've got their name and their email address. So a couple of weeks after, we email them and we say, hey, we hope that you, now we're already assuming that they finished the book. Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed virtual freedom as an added bonus. As a loyal virtual freedom reader, Chris has put together a six page swipe file of 101 tasks that you can give to virtual assistants to help build your business for you. It's 100% free. All you gotta do to get it is post an honest review on Amazon and then send us a copy of that confirmation email from Amazon so we know that you've actually done the review. So good. Like, let me just wave my own <laughs> flag. You know what I mean? Like, so good. Because not only did I get a load of reviews, but more importantly, when it comes to rankings, I got a load of verified Amazon purchase reviews because they bought the right. book on Amazon in the first place and now they're reviewing the book on Amazon. Massive difference. Wow. Yeah. So we're at, I think we're at like 235 star reviews wow. plus a load of others. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I mean look, what do we look? April, May, June, July, August. We're like five months, five months out. There's some New York Times bestsellers that have been out for a couple of years and they haven't got that many reviews. So the, the, the real review strategy is if you don't ask, yeah. you won't get. Yeah, they're very true. People don't feel obliged to leave a review after reading your book. They bought the book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What? They don't owe you anything, right? But if you give them a reason, an incentive to write that review, a lot of them will do. A lot of them will. So you've, you know, you've written the book. It's been a great success. It's um, gone really well in the rankings. What kind of doors has it opened to you that weren't open before or were harder to open before? Um, speaking, more, I mean, I've been speaking pretty consistently for years, but once the book comes out and does well, you can instantly up your speaking fee, which I've done. Um, so you make more money out of that. I actually had a client from Australia that I'm seeing on my trip here in October. He reached out to me and said, do you do coaching? We're, we're an accounting company. And we've got to jump on this virtual bandwagon. I picked up your book at the airport. I read it in like one sitting. It was great. I, I need to hire you as a consultant to work out the best way to do it for our company. Um, do, you, do you do coaching? And I said, well, I do, but my schedule is so jam-packed right now. With, you know, 
I can't really do anything until January. And he said, no, I can't wait that long. I said, well, you know, I got, this, I got America, then I'm coming to Australia. I'm doing, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to be in Australia? Yeah. When? October. Okay. Are you coming to Sydney? Yes, it's my first stop. All right. Spend one, one more day extra. Tell me what you need to come to my business for one day. I dropped him a ridiculous number, and he didn't even bark at it. So that happens as well. I mean, that, that's almost like an advance of writing another book. Yeah. Like, I'm not blowing my own trump here, but it was a lot of money that I quoted. So there's things like that that, that happen. Um, what else? What else is happening? Uh, press. I've been featured on... I've been featured in, in, in Forbes, um, uh, Inc., Entrepreneur Magazine, like five times in the last few months. Um, radio interviews up the Yazoo when I was in America. Uh, I was almost on the Today Show, actually, in the US, but I missed it by a day. Uh, and I was almost on the Fox and Friends show with my buddy Clayton Morris, who's an anchor on that show. But he, uh, something happened with his family, and he wanted to be the one to interview me and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in New York. So, it, you know, it opens up doors. Um, but I think it's just like anything else in life, you know. If, if you don't, it's not going to fall in your lap. And the phrase that I use all the time is chase it down. Whatever it is for you. If it's a best-selling book, if it's a multi-book deal with a publisher, if it's just getting a really cool cover done for your next book, chase it down. Chase it down. And go after it. And, and don't give up until you get what you want. And I think that's really what it comes down to anything else. I mean... You know, my publishers didn't think an audio book was needed for virtual freedom. And I said, you're mad. People are asking for it. Every day they're asking for it on social media. Prove it. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> screenshot, 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 screenshot. Google+, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, you know, what do I need to do to tell you that we need to put an audio book together? Okay, great. We'll do it. Okay. I chased it down because I wanted the audio book out there. Now it's up on Audible. Now there's a six CD version of it as well, all on Amazon. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have been a, re a relentless SOB with a publisher <laughs> and, and you know just chased it down. You just got to chase it down. My, this whole year was about the book. I want to make this clear as well. It wasn't just about the pre-launch and the launch in April. The entire year of 2014 was 100% dedicated to virtual freedom. A hundred percent. All my speaking gigs, all the book signings, all the parties, all the meetups. I'm running myself ragged here this year because I want to make sure that that book gets into as many hands as possible. And if 2014 is about this book, Virtual Freedom, <clears throat> have you already planning 2015? What's next for you? You know, once this chapter closes, in a sense, What's the next big thing that you're going to be chasing down? Is there another book or something? Well, first of all, I love the fact that you're now saying chase it down. <laughs> and she, see how quickly you adopted it as well? It's so good. And it's a lot better than Crush It, quite frankly. It is, right? And Crush It's so bloody overused now. It's overrated. Sorry, Gary. He's my buddy, but he's not going to like me now. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I do have another book idea. Um, I have another whole brand idea, actually, which will come out sometime next year. As for the book... I don't know, that you're probably looking 2016 for that. But one major difference I, I 
think will happen, unless I get offered a really big advance from a publisher, I believe I will self-publish my second book. Really? Why? Because as good as my publishers were, and they were great, Ben Bella Books, brilliant little publishing house, not the biggest on the planet, but very into the book, very into the project and all the rest of it. Again, unless I get a lot of money for an advance, I know I sold this book. I was the one that drove all those sales. And the entrepreneur inside of me screams out when I realize what I could be making if I self-published it rather than traditionally published it. There are pros and cons. You know, the distribution is tougher with a self-published book, but you can still get it if you've got a good enough platform. Um, and the other thing is this. I don't even think I would have got the book deal if it hadn't have been for my online platform. The Twitter followers, and it's all vanity numbers. It's, it's silly. You know, the Twitter followers, the mailing list, the Facebook likes, all this stuff. The grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things, I could have self-published Virtual Freedom and probably have sold just as many copies as I have done traditionally publishing. But I think what it was as a first-time author, I really wanted to go down that traditional route because, I don't know, just maybe it was an ego thing, maybe it was just a goal that I wanted to achieve, whatever, I don't know. But now I've done it, and I know plenty of people that have gone the self-publishing route, and they're killing it. They're making so much money. It's just, you know, call me old-fashioned, but I like making money. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting situation when that comes about, whenever it may be. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you end up deciding. Now, you mentioned that you're going to be back in Australia, in Sydney and Melbourne in October, because you are running some business masterminds. Now, that's not necessarily for writers, but there are business people who listen to this show as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you are going to do in October in case people are interested in booking? This actually, I started doing these one-day business mastermind events about two and a half years ago when I was traveling around. I was like, well, I'll do one in London, I'll do one in New York, I'll do one in LA. I did that in one year. And they sold out in a heartbeat. And it's just another perfect example of listening to your, to your audience and genuinely providing a solution to a problem. I knew that entrepreneurs are lonely people at the core of it. They are just gagging for like-minded people to hang out with and talk with and brainstorm with. And a lot of us don't have that you know, in our, in our peer group, right? So why not bring a load of people together? So that's what we do. It's a one-day event. Um, they're limited to 12 people at the table. We rent a nice conference room or a co-working space or you know, one of those virtual offices or whatever. Uh, we get together. We do coffee in the morning, coffee in the afternoon. Um, you can have as much coffee as you want, actually. But <laughs> uh, a light lunch, not a too kind of heavy, carb, heavy kind of lunch where you want to go to sleep at 2 o'clock. Um, and um, we just crack it, you know, we just crack, crack into each other's businesses one by one by one. We go around the table, everybody's off of, off of feedback. Um, and, you know, the, the, the overall, you know, premise of it is that you walk away with a real plan of action in place to be able to do this, this, and this in the next 30 days, at least next 30 days. Uh, because, you know, it's all very well, you know, turning up and having a good day and hanging out with like-minded people and getting some ideas, but there's no point in any of that unless you actually take action and chase it down, yes. right? So um, we've been doing them for a while. They're very successful. 
However, I've got to be honest with you, I might be wrapping them up at the end of this year because of what I'm planning already for next year. Can't scale it. I want to help more people in this way. And the only way I can do that is by doing group coaching. And so there's probably that on the horizon. However, in October, Sydney and Melbourne, uh, if people want to check it out, they can go to newbusinessmastermind.com. Um, however, Melbourne is now officially sold out. And so Sydney, I believe there's seven seats left in Sydney. Bit of a slow uptake in Sydney. Well, I think listeners of this podcast might be interested to know that Chris is actually holding this at the Australian Writers' Centre um, in Sydney. So you can pop in and say hi to me if you end up enrolling. Anyway, uh, so you're, you're in Australia. You're going to be, um, you're, you're, uh, after speaking at uh, the conference, you're going to be taking some time off and relaxing? This conference here? Yeah. No, I'm going to America again. I'm going I'm to, <laughs> I am literally going to go from Sydney to LA, LA... Cleveland, Cleveland, San Diego, San Diego, New Orleans, New Orleans, Nashville, Nashville, Boston, and then home. Good Lord. Yeah, speaking gigs and book events. But this, is the, this is it. This is the end of it. This is the end of the tour. This is it. Otherwise, I might not have a wife when I get home. <laughs> she might be off. <laughs> what do you enjoy about the speaking gigs and the book, tour, the book events? You know, it's not an ego thing. I know a lot of people say, oh, he likes to be up on stage because he likes all the attention. And, you know, a lot of speakers are like that. I know a lot of speakers, and they are ego whores. I mean, they really are. I, particularly this year, since the book has come out, I, I've been able to experience when I meet people who have read the book, and I talk with them, and they tell me how the book has impacted their lives. That, for me, is the, the buzz that I get. In the space of two weeks in America... We did, um, uh, we did San Diego, we did Portland, we did New York. And at each of those three events, there was a standout somebody that came up to me. And the first one, there was a lady who said that the book had literally changed her life and that she could directly attribute $6,000 in additional earnings in one month to her VAs coming on board and helping her build a business. Huge, massive, right there. The second one was... Um, Oh, God. What was it? oh um, uh, a single dad who works from home. His wife passed, works from home with his five or six-year-old little girl, takes her to the school, does a school run, works from home, has two or three VAs to help him run his business online so that he can spend more time with his daughter and not have to worry about getting somebody to come in and look after her every day. Life-changing. Life-changing. And then the last one was um, a guy came up to me in New York I was signing somebody else's book at the time, and he came up to me and said, Chris, I've got to go. And, you know, typical New Yorker, right? So I, always in a rush. I've got to go, but I just want to say, your book saved my marriage. I said, what? He said, yeah, I was doing 15 hours a day, six days a week. My wife, you know, was you know, she was that close to leaving me, and we've hired a VA in the Philippines, and she's doing great, and now I'm back to, like, you know, 40 hours a week, and I'm spending more time with my wife, and... We have date night every week now, and she loves it. You saved my marriage. I said, these are great testimonials. I should be getting these on video. Yeah, awesome. But I, I dropped the ball on that <laughs> on each occasion. But, you know, that, that for me, that's the buzz for me. Uh, that's what it's all about for me is, is to get that feedback. I love, I love being on stage. I like putting on a bit of a show. I look at it as a performance. It's not just me talking to a crowd. I do rehearse, um, you know. I ad-lib a lot when I, when I speak live. You'll see in a couple of days from now. But ultimately, it's a, you know, I want to provide value. And if I can 
answer questions and solve people's problems by doing that, then all the better. And on that note, thank you so much for your time today, Chris. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So there you have it. What did you think of Chris Ducker? Well, I'm, I'm a fan. I've signed up. <laughs> I'm there. I need to know. Obviously, I've got a book coming out next week. It's a little bit late to start, but, you know, better late than never, right? Yeah, and I think one of the things I like about Chris is he's just, a, he's just really authentic and, um, you know, he's a nice guy. Great. We love that. Um, so speaking of nice guys mm. and also it being never too late, I um, <laughs> sound like I'm going somewhere really wrong with that. Yes. I'm not. I'm not. Um, well, I might be. I'm going to a site called Peak User Testing. Yeah. Um, so I found out about this through my, my sister, Maxabella, okay. who is, is an avid internet user and a person who seems to find out um, all manner of interesting things. And she um, put me onto this website called peakusertesting.com. And what happens is you put your website URL in and every, like you can do this once a month. You put your, your website URL in and you get far, you get three videos of people who've never been to your website ever before going through the process of going to your website, what they see, what they think your website is all about, what they get from your homepage, whether it's usable, whether the navigation works, um, things that they would suggest that you should maybe have on your website that you don't have, whether they would come back whether wow. they would sign up to your newsletter. I mean, it's amazing. And they're just random people. So, you know, they're not necessarily, you can actually, I think there's a premium service where you can have it targeted specifically for people that you're trying to, you know, get hold of. Mm. Um, but, you know, from the perspective of mine, being an author site and a general sort of thing, I just went for the free test. Why not? See what happens. Yes. And it was fascinating. And you know what I discovered? What? basic stuff okay so you think you've got your website all organized and my website is really well designed and well organized and most of them said that but I didn't have a search box on my home page oh. and so the three of them pointed that out they were like oh I'm looking for this and I can't find it no no website and the the other and one other one that I had because I had it done about three months ago as well um I didn't have my just small things you overlook. I didn't have my social media connection, you know, my, my links to social media on my homepage. It was all over my site everywhere else ah. but not on that landing page. And you kind of there just go, are. how did I overlook that? That's but, right. But three users went to it and immediately all went, well, I can't find any of the social media buttons. And they and did like, this for free. For free. That's fantastic. Five-minute video. <laughs> Everyone should do it. Like, why would you not, really? Yeah, go nuts. Exactly. Anyway, the link's in the show notes. I think you should all have a crack at it. I'll be doing that for sure. Hmm, definitely. What's our working writer's tip this week? Well, our working writer's tip is something that uh, happened to me just in the last couple of weeks. Um, when you work for yourself as a writer and you are struggling and, and um, juggling with multiple deadlines, it can be very, very difficult to take time off. So I've just had two weeks, you know, doing the Ned Kelly tour of Victoria. The amount of organisation it took for me to get those two weeks um, to line all my deadlines up, to ensure that nobody needed me for anything to do with books in that two-week period, to find somebody else to do the bits and pieces that I do in other jobs um, was extraordinary. So it's a question I think that comes up regularly. Like if you work for yourself and you've yeah. got all those deadlines and you're not paid for the time that you have off, that's the other yeah. thing you need to remember, how do you organise yourself? What tips do you have, Val? Oh, dear. Why didn't I ask you before I went? But oh. What tips do you have? 
I have to say that even though in theory I have tried to get ahead as much as I can, I have never achieved that. No. So whenever I've gone away, I, I have definitely gotten ahead so that I don't have a full workload, which would be impossible while I'm away. But there's always those little things that have, you know, dragged on and then I just simply did not get done early. So I find myself writing on planes, trains and automobiles <laughs> in lines, waiting for opera tickets yeah. and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So I... As try as I might, and of course that would be the advice that I do give people, I've never quite managed to get totally ahead. And you know what? I've stopped beating myself up about it. If I have to do a little bit of writing, you know, while I'm in New York, while I'm sitting in Bryant Park or something, I don't have a problem with that. I'm okay with that, particularly because, you know, there is the internet. It's not like it's a real pain. It's not like I have to find, you know, someone with a house that has a fax machine and, and fax off yeah, like yeah. they used to do. It, I can just go get to Wi-Fi and file my story and it takes a lot of the load off from the, the one week, the, the week before you're going to go and that pressure that I've always felt before, you know, um, and, and the great thing is when you're on a plane for 13 hours, oh, my God, you get lots done. Yeah, what else are you going to do? Exactly. Well, it's not quite so easy when you're doing the Ned Kelly road trip of Victoria with two small children um, in the car. So I um, have found that I do need to really focus on it, you know, for two months out thinking about when things are going to finish and when things are going to start and what can I finish off before I get to this point and what can I – and it's really a matter of, of juggling that. And you know what? I find as I come towards the actual date when I'm leaving, I have to say no to things. And that's that's what I find really difficult because I'm really aware that I'm going to have two weeks where essentially I, I, I'm not earning, you know, on an hourly basis. Yeah. Um, so I, but I have to say no to things because I really do need to, cl- to create that window. Yeah. I only do it once a year. So it's kind of like I really need to create that window where I'm just going and I'm not doing anything while I'm there. Um, And that comes down to learning to say no to stuff and that's very hard to do as a freelancer. It is, it is. Mm. I know what you mean. Well, that brings us almost to the end of our podcast, but before, uh, you know, to the end of this episode, but before we end, I do want to do some shout outs and one is to Lucy Bowler, who is a listener and she actually won a copy of My Salinger Year, that great book by Joanna Rakoff, uh, through this podcast and she wanted to say thank you for a brilliant read and she's also blogged about it. She's done a review, so we'll put that link in the show notes. So thank you for sharing that with us, Lucy. Um, and I also want to to shout out to another podcast uh, called Beers, Blokes and Business. <laughs> sounds like my kind of podcast. <laughs> I know, very different to So You Want to Be a Writer, but I was actually a guest on their podcast. So um, uh, it was with Sean Callanan and Scott Kilmartin and Steve Sammartino, and we all had a chat, recorded a podcast while drinking beer because what they do is they talk about different business topics, they are a bunch of blokes, and they bring a different beer every week while they record the podcast. So just for something completely randomly different um yes that's one of the things that i've done lately and uh, we'll put a link to their fabulous podcast in the show notes as well but before we wrap up wrap up allison a 
what's going to be happening? What are you going to be doing this week in prep for your massive book launch? Very exciting. It is very exciting. Well, I'm, I've, I've got a couple of blog posts to write because I've got a fantastic uh, blog tour that will be rolling out What's from next week. Well, in this case, it's um, uh, it's it's a, quite an interesting one. I haven't often with a blog tour, the author writes ten posts and they go up on different blogs around the place. Yeah. Um, in this particular instance, because I've got a very clever sister, Maxabella. There she is again. Yes, hi, she, Maxabella. Hi, Maxabella. She has organised for me a blog post where ten of Australia's top bloggers will be doing posts. Um, Eight of them are doing their own posts based around the Mapmaker Chronicles. So there will be some reviews. Um, I think there's going to be a, a children's birthday party themed on the Mapmaker. I think there's um, there's going to be kids' craft. There's going to be like a whole range of different things, which will be great. And then I'm also writing some pieces about, you know, great books for boys and also great books for boys that have fantastic girls' characters in them because yeah. that's something I think is really important. Um, so um, that's that will be rolling out sort of over the next couple of months up to, you know, in the lead up to Christmas. So I've got that going on. In the meantime, the book is appearing, um, beginning to appear. The reviews are starting to come in. The um, I know, and they're great. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, the ads are starting to go out. Um, I'm in K-Zone. I am a word search in K-Zone. I wow. Mean, I tell you. I know. Like I, it's a little bit, I just might as well go home now. There's no <laughs> point in doing anything else. Um, and, yeah, I've got some questionnaires to fill. I've got a whole lot of publicity stuff coming up to do um, and I will be heading off to do some school talks in Sydney in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, lots happening, lots and lots publicity. happening. Publicity. Will you remember us the little people when you are when you become, <laughs> you know, famous? Are you kidding? We're, I'm still <laughs> going to be sitting here like, whispering like I'm in the cupboard under the stairs trying not to wake my children up whilst podcasting with you, Val. <gasps> Well, I love your commitment that you, uh, even if you need to speak in such subdued tones. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, whether you'll be adopting the same decibel level next time we record. So yes. thank you for, you know, for, for taking the time out of the, and spending it under the cupboard, under the stairs, um, just so that we can get this podcast out to our listeners. Where can we find you? And more importantly, where can we find the book, the new book? The new book. Well, you'll find me at alisontate.com mm -hmm. and you will find the book at themapmakerchronicles.com. Um, it's still available for pre-order at the moment um, through various online retailers and, you know, it's out there. I just, you know, what do you say? Buy the book, people. <laughs> <laughs> well said. And you'll find us at writerscentre.com.au and I'm at valeriecoo.com. If you have a question or would like to give us some feedback, please do. We'd love to hear from you Podca at podcast at writerscentre.com.au and you'll also find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast. So until next time, we will chat to you soon. We will. Bye.